Hey everybody, today I'm going to talk about note buying. I'm going to talk about managing a portfolio of real estate notes where you are the lender and you are managing a, the portfolio of homeowners that have a note with your company or with your yourself individually. I will go through you know the differences between those two and discuss one particular note that I'm working with right now that uh, has given me a little bit of trouble. So I figured today would be a great opportunity for this. I was uh, earlier I was in an appointment and uh, you know I was dealing with text as well. And I was looking down and you know my wife said I need to handle this note. The uh, seller, or the uh, seller, the buyer is late again, and or rather you know, the owner, the the homeowner is late again on their payment to us and you know this needs to be addressed now we're talking about foreclosure so you know I'm gonna walk you through my experience with this particular borrower and homeowner and uh, kinda you know I'll, I'll walk through the deal itself as well um, I don't have notes in front of me with all the specifics and exact numbers but you know you, you don't need those this is general in terms general terms I have most of the figures in my head but uh, I want to you know really explain what it's like to experience being a note holder a lender a mortgage or uh, to to a real estate uh, note that you know can pay you for your entire career and beyond so this is Corey Harrington with flip connect and here we go so the property that I'm working on right now, uh, the street name is Artiago, and it's in San Antonio. And Artiago is near Lackland Air Force Base. It's a three-bedroom, one-bath. I don't remember the exact square footage, but right about a thousand square feet, a little bit less. I bought the house maybe five years ago. Let's see. No, no, no. Wait. 2016, 17. So in 2016, 2017, I bought the house from a lady that um, that she uh, decided that she didn't want to be a landlord anymore, and she was just wanting to get out. She was in her, I think, like mid 60s at that time, and she's a great lady. I, I still work with her today. Um, she's receiving payments from me every single month on that property. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over all the specifics and if you do have follow-up questions on the specifics you know I will just uh, feel free to please comment ask me uh, questions through email text you know whatever whatever you need to do and I'll, I'll do my best to answer those things probably in the form of another podcast or a perhaps a training session so there's gonna be a lot of things that I'm not gonna go over in full detail on, on all the nuances involved. This is more of just a topic of discussion to get you get you thinking about ways to receive passive income for life um, and you know make thousands of dollars a year off of one single note, something that you can accomplish in, in the course of maybe 10 hours of work. Um, easier said than done, right? Though you can retire 10 year, you know, uh, with 10 hours of work, and it's, it's not necessarily like that, but um, it's a very, very good instrument. These are my favorite debt instruments. These are my favorite investments to own. This is in my own portfolio, my wife and I, 
our, our company um, found the property, which means I found the property. My wife and I worked on it. I went there and bought the property. I fixed it up. I put it up for sale. I sold it. And I provided seller financing. Uh, I, think for, I think it was a 30-year note. So anyway, this Arteago property, um, I bought it for, I believe, $42,500 at the time. It was worth somewhere around $75,000. You got to remember, this is San Antonio, Texas, not California, not New York, not Florida. And this was a couple years back. The market continued to climb. This house, at this point in time, is worth roughly about $140,000, $145,000, assuming that, you know, the property is in, in good repair. I am uncertain what the property condition is on the inside. It's no longer my property. I'm just collecting payments on it. I don't have to lift a finger. I don't have to pay taxes. I don't have to pay insurance. Well, I am now paying insurance on this property through forced place coverage. And I'll talk about that a little bit. But here's the scenario. 42.5. Bought it for 42.5. I put maybe $15,000 in renovation. I will explain the renovation process in terms of the people I hired and the difficulties I encountered during that process um, during this as well. So I'm just going to kind of give you a whole breakdown of this one deal. They're not all like this. Some are much easier. Some could be more complicated. And definitely this is something for an experienced investor. I would not suggest you come straight out the gate and buy a house and flip it, sell it, finance it, and carry a note and think you're on easy street. You know, they, it, there's a lot involved in this process. And, you know, you'll be the judge of that. If after I explain it, you feel comfortable with it, by all means, go out there and do it. The purpose of Flip Connect, as I'm refining my purpose, is to educate passive investors on the things they need to understand going into an investment option to understand the process behind the scenes to a certain degree so that you can kind of vet the the uh the fund manager um that is making this offering and decide do you want to partner with these guys do you want to risk or you want to put your money up and invest in an individual or a company that's going to make these kind of decisions for you and manage it actively so that you can receive passive income. So that's that's my primary focus. My secondary focus is to train my, my peers, to train new investors and experienced investors how to build out a portfolio of notes, of rentals, of mixed-use property, apartments, residential. And specifically, at this point, it's focused on single-family residential. Apartments are next. I will go into more details with that, and I will have, you know, the mentorship program. And so if anyone has any interest in these, in these things and want to talk to me more about them, please contact me, Corey Harrington. My phone number is 210-355-2628. That's my personal cell number. 210-355-2628. My um, company, housebuyersdirect.com, or housebuyersdirect, but you can you can see us online at housebuyersdirect.com. Uh, you can contact us through that. Flip Connect, 
uh, flipconnect.com. My site is not even launched at this point. Uh, this is my 23rd podcast, and it's just been a couple of months since I've started this this whole podcast. If you're listening to this in the future dates, right now is late October, October 25th, 2021. So for sure, I will have that site up soon, but it's just not all that important at this point. Right now, I just want to get a bunch of podcasts out there, pique some interest, and uh, see where we go. But this session right now is kind of geared towards the investor, the active real estate investor that wants to go forward with, with, with these kinds of options, and it's a great one. So if you have some experience and you're comfortable and you have some capital reserve, cash reserves, and you have construction experience and you have negotiating experience and you have accounting experience and, and you feel comfortable you want to go ahead and uh, listen in and, and, and try the try the note buying out. It's a great option. From the start, it'll take a while to be able to afford your first one. Typically, you're going to want to buy the property, pay it off in full, then sell it. I leverage it. I explore options of arbitrage, of of uh, you know cross collateralization. There are other things that I get involved with, but. I'm going to keep this as straightforward as possible. The best thing to do is get the thing and get the property paid off. Now, if you're buying it for $42,500, you can get an equity line of credit, you can get a bank loan, you you may have that in your in your cash savings and you buy it and you do the renovations, you're in it for a total. I think I'm in it for a total of under 70,000 at, at the point that I sold it. Um, you know, that's that's doable. You can do one. And then save up for a couple of years, flip some houses and, and save up enough and do another one. So this deal, what I did, is a little different. And um, I picked it up at 42.5. And you know what? I think it was 45. And I gave her $2,500 down, or I gave her 5,000 down. Yeah, like I said, I didn't have the paperwork in front of me. So yeah, so, so it was right around there. Um, well under 50,000 bottom line and total in under 70,000 with with construction costs uh, utilities electricity so on and so forth insurance yada 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 taxes and um, so you know jumping back in I bought the property I sat down with her and negotiated a deal well I guess okay let's start this off first I received an inbound phone call my office picked it up so we have a, an answering service. We also have someone, you know, working um, regular business hours on the phone in an office that we rent. This was this was at that time, and I believe my wife, um, I believe our answering service picked it up, and then my wife called back, set the appointment. I went to the appointment. Um, Mary was her name or is her name, and she sat down with me and brought her friend Sam. Sam is a gentleman that owns several other properties. I ended up buying a property, one, two, three properties from him over the course of the next couple of years, all seller finance. So that worked out great. Seller finance was perfect for her. She understood it. She's an experienced investor and she just does not want to deal with evictions and repairs and, and she was ready to move on. So had the house been in fully repaired condition, um, 
then the house at that point in time probably would have went worth closer to ninety ninety-five thousand dollars. Uh, when I bought it for seventy, um, I mean all in seventy, I had a factor in my cost of construction. I had factor in profitability. I had a factor in my mortgage costs, cost of borrowing money on the property. In this case, it was seller finance, so that was a different element there. I didn't have to factor that, but I'm covering how much it costs per month for mortgage. I was paying her, or I am paying her 7% interest on the loan, which is higher than a a typical note. And I believe it was not $2,500, but $5,000 down. And so I had that money up front to pay her. So my total cost coming in was a little under fifty thousand um, day one, and then I put in about fifteen grand plus ongoing. You know, it took me several months to complete the property's uh, renovation, and so all of that took some time as well. And then when I sold it, uh, my wife is a real estate broker, so at that time I believe she was, yeah, she was still a broker. But sometime before that, she actually worked under another broker and she had to pay them um, a flat rate for every transaction. And she would get all the commissions, but she would pay them a flat rate plus the monthly ongoing services there. So we had to factor in all those expenses. And my offer price of the 45, I believe, and we'll just call it 45, is... is um, factors in that the house as it sits untouched is worth about 70 I got offer 42.5 because I got I'm gonna put in $15,000 and all these other expenses and when it's renovated and completed it's worth 95 so the difference would be $25,000 that's that's my profitability and that's a gross dollar amount it wouldn't include commissions that I would pay to the buyer's agent if there was a buyer's agent in the transaction and other expenses, title, fees, insurance, and so on and so forth. So you gotta factor in all your expenses, all costs of goods sold or COGS. That's where I arrived at my price. I sat down, I explained all this to her in detail, uh, showed her comps of, of comparable, of similar properties that sold in the area and the condition being similar and what those went for I showed her properties that were renovated and completed in the area with comparable amenities three bedroom one bath similar size yard similar similar neighborhood you know what right up the street on the same street or three streets down in a similar looking neighborhood as you drive through you know the amount of cars you see or the proximity to a freeway or or you know a park you know all these things you you want to factor in and look for like apples to apples comparisons when i did that it made perfect sense and she understood and i told her that my goal is to make you know 20 to 25,000 dollars profit after all is said and done and so to make this deal at this price point instead of a lower price point for me, what would work best is to sell her finance. I will put $5,000 down and she would receive payments for the next 20 years and it would be paid off in full. She would receive 7% interest. So her total cash that she would receive over 20 years, you can calculate that out, 20 years at 7% interest on 42500 which is the, I think the final 
mortgage note that was set up and that would be yeah so I think maybe it was 47.5 I'm sorry I keep going back on that price point I uh, yeah but yeah so four I think maybe 47.5 uh, which makes sense, five thousand down, and then the then the note would be forty two five. Okay, that's the final answer. I, I'm pretty sure that's it. But at any rate, I made a very streamforward, streamlined, straightforward. She agreed. We signed a contract. I did title search on the property. I did not take it to a title agency, which you should. I did not because I can search title. I will self cover. That's not to say I'm self-insuring, but I'm taking the risk that there are no other outstanding liens on the property that I'm not aware of. And I made her sign an agreement saying to that fact that these things would be cured at her expense if it was wrong. So say she had a roof bill that we didn't know about and was $10,000 and uh, she just forgot to mention it. That $10,000 to cure it would have to come out of the amount that that I owe her unless she wants to write me a check for $10,000, which is unlikely. If I discover this, like say three months later, I get a bill from that address. It gets mailed to my company and they say, you owe us $10,000. You're the owner. Well, I can cure it with her and negotiate those terms. Since I have a 20 year note with her, it's a lot safer for me and it saves me the money of getting title insurance. So self cover is the option I chose. And I typically would do that on seller finance notes where she owes nothing on the property and she's owned it for a long period of time and I can evidence that. And and so that's so that's the path I took with this one. So that's, that saved me some money there. But again, for you, you should go ahead and get title insurance. There may be a title issue down the road and you wanna know that you have some kind of coverage. But also think of the fact that if they sign an agreement saying that they will cure at their expense and something does pop up that's their bill and you owe them a certain amount of money you're paying every month, well, you have leverage there. They've agreed, they signed, and they have a way, a means to do it. The big risk would be if that cost exceeds the loan amount. Um, but in this, this scenario, it's very unlikely that they, they would have a cost of, of 40 five or fifty thousand dollars for a roof and this house is tiny so then that just wasn't that just wasn't a factor for us or irs now we can check all these things so at any rate <clears throat> going back to the the beginning of the deal negotiated made an agreement we went and closed the deal we went to the bank and they received cashier's check notarized all of the documents that we provided through our attorney which is a promissory note a um, insurance coverage documentation an errors documentation you know that cure if she were to have made mistakes um, also our ability to, to change and modify if errors come up like say we put the wrong spelling of her name you know we have the right to come back in a month or whatever time frame it does take to discover that error and correct it. Uh, so sign that document too. A warranty deed with vendor's lien the and, 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 a, and a deed of trust. So the deed of trust 
Now you can go to your attorney. These are the breakouts. These are the details. I'm not going to go over in in, in, in great detail. It's something that you should probably talk with an attorney or you, you know you can do your own research and find out these things. But these are the documents in Texas at that time that we needed. Deed of trust, warranty deed with vendor's lien, promissory note, and then the collateral protection insurance and the errors, errors and omissions, or not omissions, but you know, the, the, the correction document. So you don't need the correction document. I just wanted the correction document. And then we would record, uh, we would record the uh, deed of trust with Bear County and she would have record of, you know, that, that document. We bought the house for such and such dollars. Um, they sold the house to us for this amount. Um, the promissory note doesn't get recorded. And uh, the, um, actually, you know, I think the warranty deed with vendor's lien is the one that, that gets recorded. Uh, my attorney handled that, and sometimes I mix that up, but that's why I would hire an attorney to handle these things. Um, the warranty deed with vendor's lien would indicate the dollar amounts which are subject to change. No, so I think it was, I think it was a warranty deed with vendor's lien that was not recorded. I'm gonna do a little quick Google search here. Hold on a second. Do you record deed of trust in Texas? Okay, this is a, this is the document I received. The first thing that popped up on Google from um, an investment company. Since this is a legally binding document, it is important your deed name the borrower or trustor, the lender or beneficiary, and the trustee. Recording the deed alerts others that you are making the transaction public, but you are not required to record your deed in trust. Okay, so yeah, I am right. You do not record the deed of trust, you record the uh, warranty deed with vendor's lien. So that will duly note to the public and to your the person you sold the property from, so on and so forth, and any other creditors, debtors, you know, heirs, so so on and so forth, that you do own this property and you owe money to to these other people. So now that the lender is protected, and in this case she is the lender, the other document that I had, um, it was written both in my purchase agreement and it was written in a in a, in a uh, ex exhibit separate document that she signed that I would have the right to sell the property without uh, bar, uh, lender's permission, without lender's consent. I can do it on my own without getting special permission from them. But of course, as a courtesy and, you know, to me, it, it's, it's, it's a morally important thing to do that um, for goodwill and just for disclosure that you notify them. Now, if they disagree, you still can do it because they don't have the right to um, reject that option for you. But I always tell them at any given time, if I'm going to sell the property, even if I have to take it back in foreclosure, 
which may happen in Artiago, I will mention it to them. I will send it in writing. I'll give them the documentation, send them an email, maybe a copy of, of the, uh, the records, the public records. If, if they don't have access to them on their own or it's difficult for them to find, then I would go ahead and, and, and provide that um, as a courtesy. And really, it's just the right thing to do. What I don't want to do is limit myself to them and their whim to decide not to let me sell it to somebody who just moved to the United States or whatever reason they may have. These people don't seem like the right fit. You know, I don't want them dictating my business. So you write these agreements up front, you make it clear, and everyone's on the same page. And it becomes, you know, a simple thing. So uh, she had, uh, I had permission to sell the house. I still and always will owe the money to her. She is first lien. Um, she will not be subjugate, uh, subordinated, as in made lower, in the order of note due and owed. So if all payments cease, she will be the first one to be paid in the event of foreclosure always. No matter how much I sell it for or how much she is still owed. Even if she's owed a dollar left and I sold it to somebody and they owe me a hundred thousand dollars, the first dollar goes to her. Oh, I apologize.